Thank you for listening to the Maker in the Mix podcast, where we discuss design, innovation, and all things concrete. Well, um, happy belated Thanksgiving, Jeff. Uh, Thank you. We had a um, a wild, wild uh, event at our house yesterday. So Lauren's family is huge, and um, and we had her mom's side of the family over for Thanksgiving, and that gathering was forty people. That's a lot of people. <laughs> so lot. we had, uh, I mean, cha- <laughs> tables and chairs everywhere. Everybody brought potluck. I mean, it was loud. It was crazy. It was fun. We uh, were down. I'm down in the basement. We were down here playing pool. We were uh, there was a fire pit going. Uh, so it's one of the one of the cousins brought basically apple cider margaritas, which was great. Um, That's had, different. Yeah, it was new, but it was in a big pitcher, and it tasted fantastic so um i want to get that recipe but um so yeah what uh what was your thanksgiving like oh quiet it was quiet not nearly not 40 people so <laughs> yeah boy i like but, it uh, quiet yeah i well, grew up it, with we, a big you know thanksgiving was big it wasn't 40 people but it was like lots of relatives but it was like that all the time like it wasn't just like once yeah. a year it was every weekend kind of thing. So I, I was used That's to that. That's kind of how Lauren's family grew up. And, yeah. uh, and most, you know, most everybody lives in Canton still. And so, um, which the, the 40 people had one exception was, was four members of my family. So my sister and brother-in-law came and then, um, my aunt and uncle came as well. Cause they happened to be in town. They just finished a house in black Mountain, So they were furnishing it and getting it done. And, um, and so they weren't in Florida for, Thanksgiving like they usually are. So really it was 36 of Lars family, but still it's fairly, fairly large. Um, so, uh, welcome to those of you who are watching this is episode 33 and, uh, thanks for tuning in. Hope you all had a uh, happy Thanksgiving to those who are in the U S um, to those who are uh, outside Canadians of the U S sorry, you don't get an awesome holiday. Time. Canadians have Thanksgiving Good too. To know. But I think it's earlier. Um, it's certainly not the third Thursday of the. Well, any of you, any of you Canadian people, tell us when your Thanksgiving is. But um, I used to know it, and then it's and like Happy Thanksgiving whenever it happens. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and yeah. to those of you outside the U.S. and Canada, apparently, uh, you know, you should get on the Thanksgiving train because it's wonderful to have a holiday about giving thanks and nothing else. Well, um, what, what's, there's no. What's kind of that's funny the one that I, I, I will say. The spillover from, um, you know, U.S. commercialization. Has it has it as it has crept across the world? Um, mm-hmm. Every Sunday, I put on a, a a jazz station. I'd stream it from Paris, Paris, France, not Paris, Texas. Um, and I do it mainly because Paris, all the there's another are Paris in French somewhere. And it sounds, you know, they're talking about car insurance and this, that, and the other thing, but it's in French, and I don't speak French, so it's just like in and out. But they were talking about their Black Friday sales, and I knew it because they were using the word Black Friday, but sent in a said in a French accent. <laughs> and that is hysterical. Isn't it oh my crazy? gosh, we're ruining the world. Right? Yeah. Oh, Black geez. Friday. That's the so thing. Okay, so I I detest Black. I mean, who doesn't love a good sale? But I hate Black Friday. We never we never went out on Black Friday. Like, if we did, we'd go to like Best Buy to walk around or whatever. But no. Ooh, and, no. Um, anyway, yeah. 
but can't do it. Like, I can't do it. Absolutely. And it's, <laughs> uh, it's the worst. I mean, yeah. because that's the whole reason I love Thanksgiving so much is because it literally is entire, like Christmas is a, I love Christmas and you know, I hate the concept that it's become this thing about presents that bothers me, but I love Thanksgiving because at its core, at least, you know, I know we can get into the, the history of it being not so great maybe. And pilgrims were horrible. I don't know. I'm sure there's some stories. I don't know about it, but as it stands today, the holiday is about family and being around the table and just enjoying one another's company. And there has nothing to do with gifts. And that makes me so happy um, because I hate the commercialization of holidays. Um, it also uh, turns out that yesterday was my twins' um, seventh birthday. They were born the day before Thanksgiving, and so their first birthday was on Thanksgiving, and then their seventh birthday is on Thanksgiving. And so I guess it'll be another seven years, and then their birthday will be on Thanksgiving again. But um, cool. But that was, was a lot of fun to to have, you know, all the cousins and everybody was just, you know, hanging out and celebrating. And um, yeah, so it was a it was a big, wild, crazy day in the Lawson household. But we uh, we liked it that way. So and, and um, uh, speaking of. Black Friday and all that. I did. I was showing Caleb. I got a new new toy. I have another laser level, but this one's a green one, and we're going to be using this laser level. I know it's exciting in the class coming up in a week and a half. Yes, for the project. Oh my it's, gosh, I can't believe that. Well, which is um, full, by the way. Yeah, absolutely chock full. So very coming from Sweden. So stoked! Not awesome. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And a return student from GFRC. He liked it so much, he was like, I'm coming yep. back. Yep. Um, so super, super excited about that. Um, and oh, what was I going to say? This is, a, this is a cool project. I'm actually sitting in front of it. Um, I don't know if this will work or not. We're going to find out. It. Let's just see. Let's just see how this works. So, oh, hello. There we go. Um, so that's oh, the yeah, project. <laughs> I don't. Cool. I have shorts on. <laughs> okay. There you go. Um, so we're, we're it's like totally it. backwards. So we're wrapping this fireplace. Yeah. Um, so it should be, we're going to have a little hearth situation going on. We'll uh, surround mantle situation, some paneling up there. Um, yeah. Multiple pieces. Yeah, it'll be great. And then in a future class, oops, going this way, in a future class, we'll do a, uh, a shelf uh, for some whiskey on that wall. Cause I, yeah. Where the mirror is. So we're, we're doing, yeah, where that gold yeah. mirror is. Yeah. So real projects, real homes. We're we're trying to bring real experience here to CCI, um, yeah. which we always did. You know, quote unquote real projects. But then you know we would uh, sometimes they get used, sometimes they don't. I thought, well, goodness, it would be so useful for students to see a real project. Uh, my wife is well, a real client, and um, well, we yeah, did a, a real project that that's gone to Miami, or maybe already has. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it it hasn't yet because too. it's taken a lot of grout. It, yeah. It's taken a lot of grout to to get it to where I wanted it, and it was sure. almost 200 square feet. So, um, it's it's going out uh, this week, I think. Um, so as soon as we can create those. But um, <laughs> well, 200 square feet, a color match in two days. Yeah. Plus a lounge yeah. chair. Um, we bit off a lot, and we chewed it, and we swallowed it, and it was great. Um. Mm -hmm. So, uh, with that said, uh, our next two-day class is in February. Isn't it like, what is it, 8th and 9th? Is that right? Something like that. Let me check. Pull up the website. It's on Something the website. Like that. Yeah, Jeff, you've got a calendar. Yeah, it is. And my devices are all right here, but 
if I interact with them, you, you know, my camera is my phone. So um, Jeff will look, but um, yeah, today, but I believe it's eighth and ninth. It's a Thursday and Friday. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So um, we're going to do more exciting things. I will not force y'all into that kind of ambition again. Um, that was a little bit much, but here we are. Uh, so, I mean, it was a little much. We pulled we it off and it was of, awesome. But We still have know. a lot of real projects to do. Got some ideas for that. So We do. Yeah, yeah we it's do. Uh, I'm, I'm just really excited about this idea that we're, yeah, we're not, I, I just love, I, to me, I There's love this idea that we're doing do. things that get used. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And so whether it's a real, you know, client project, I mean, like I mentioned on the last um, podcast when we talked about it, like I spoke to the client, I was like, here's the deal. Would you like this to happen? And they were all for it. Um, and uh, I just love that. I love the idea that we can use actual, you know, projects to teach people how to do this in the real world. Because, um, you know, that's one advantage, I think, of doing it in a, a production studio um, is that you know, they're seeing real projects happen, you know, whether the projects at my house are for the shop or for an actual client or, you know, the students get to take a lounge chair home or whatever, like the fact that they're getting used, that the products are getting used in a real environment, that the students can see that, get photography, you know, that's so advantageous to, to have um, actually done a project for a real client because, um, you know, I've done it, that it just makes all the difference in the world. In the past, um, I have done a fireplace around, I think it was like 2015 or 16, something like that. Um, mm -hmm, just mm -hmm. down the street, sort of, so to speak. Um, big, kind of a modern house, modern from the 70s. So that was really angular walls <laughs> and the super high ceilings that are kind of useless and suck all the heat up to the third floor kind of thing. Um, but the, the fireplace, <laughs> yeah. the fireplace itself was like two stories tall. The firebox opening was normally, but the, the chimney itself, mm -hmm, big broad, mm -hmm, it was mm -hmm. literally two stories and they had clad most of it in hot rolled steel, which looked really cool. And then the lower section, the part we made out of concrete was black. So that was, awesome. that was fun. Yeah. So, Doing doing something yeah, so, real is um, de definitely a, a, an important part of the education because it reveals the little details that you have to pay attention to, and we have to pay. Yeah, attention I mean, we were talking to, about this. Yeah, we were talking about this particular project before we started recording, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, we're talking about framing and making sure that because it's a funky angle and the and the masonry is kind of weird, and so you know, we were talking about how are we going to address this. And so again, you know, when you're not just throwing something in an open space, and don't get me wrong, that's fine. We've done that. We did it with the big conference table, and you know, that's super useful because now you know, twenty people can sit around it, um, and and so, you know, we try to do things that are practical, right? So uh, I, I think that the wet bar area in my studio is is up uh, at some point because then we can serve food out of there for events and courses. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, eventually maybe we'll do some fire pits and fire tables. We'll do some outdoor stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of, um, but I think, a lot of potential for future projects. Yeah, but I mean, we, we just, single one and we want to make when you when you look at it whether it's a class project or real project there's a 
so many different details from design aesthetic to practical, how you're going to, yeah. how you're going to bring it in or attach it or install it or whatever. And those, mm -hmm. those are the teaching elements. Those are the things that are super valuable for the student, for you, the student, mm -hmm. um, to pick up on. And if it's, if it's a real yeah. thing, so I'm kind of like always contrasting from and shaping the way I teach and what information I provide. And I look back to, you know, back in the early 2000s, 2000, there, mm -hmm. there, there used to be a, a conference that I was, uh, an association that I was part of. I don't even know if it, Association of Concrete Contractors, ASCC. I don't even know if they exist anymore or not. But they had like a little conference that I remember going to them and they it would it'd be held around the country and would go to different places. And um, this has nothing to do with that conference, but some of the other members who are it was largely decorative concrete contractor oriented, you know, stamped concrete, that mm -hmm. sort of thing. Um, different, different ball wax, different, you know, very kind of a different industry very peripherally overlapped with what we do in the sense that we deal with, you know, colored concrete and sometimes we deal with stains and things like that, but very, very different like application there, what they deal with, what we deal with. And some of the, the companies that sold def decorative concrete products way back then, I don't even know if they exist anymore. They would have like little demos of stuff and they'd be in a warehouse with a couple sawhorses and they'd make like a, a two by four foot, Van, uh, slab with some like rubber right. molding touch. and that was t training and it was like completely it was more like here's how you take our well bag of mix and add water to it and put it in this form and trawl it and okay within that so that's the problem i think with a lot of things is like i mean if you're going to offer a free training right like trinic offers a free training and i think that's a great dip your toe in the water situation they're demoing a lot of their products which is also fine like i think it's great um but i think that if you're going to do a product demo it ought to be a free training right like sure we use our products but we're not sitting here preaching about them yeah. right um and we also use other people's products as well i think we've used stamp shielding class plenty of times we use cementol um but I want to talk a minute about um, a authenticity and b consistency, because uh, one thing that really is deep ingrained in me, and if you go to my website, you'll kind of see this. I, I like announced it to my clients, and it's funny. I've actually gotten jobs because of it. I, I wrote on my website like, "Look, I don't, I don't rush. I don't rush, and I don't sacrifice." Uh, my family time unless it is like absolute necessary. And, you know, if that hurts my business or slows it down, so be it. Um, and, you know, Jeff, I think you've seen that in the way that I kind of carry myself. And, and that's just something that I believe deeply. And to me, that ties into authenticity, um, which is why I and, and Jeff, too, like why we're so kind of bent on making sure that you get the full experience. You know, yeah. in the GFRC two day, like we didn't have a chance. We sealed uh, the lounge chair, I think, but we didn't have the chance to really dive into the templating aspect or the installation aspect or the forming aspect. Like all but that stuff had what, to be done already. That's not what the class was and, about. Because it was just a materials class, right? Yeah. But my point is, that's what you're going to get in a, in a day and a half or two days. You're not going to get. That's why Ultimate is five days because. 
we want you to have the authentic ultimate experience where you're getting okay here's the here's the project here's the concept we're going to go we're going to come over to my house we're going to template the thing you're going to see how that kind of works and then we're going to go back and we're going to actually do the formwork and we're going to um cast the pieces of course and then finish them seal them install them and yeah. and i think that is something you cannot you're never gonna get that in turn my mic down jeff it's probably because yeah. it's close to my face yeah it's a little loud. better and it will normalize yeah sorry it'll normalize in the end of the recording technical difficulties um, but you're no, never gonna no, get that no, in no. in a two-day well thing. you have to, you have to have expectations realistic expectations of what are you actually getting for your time for your investment right so anybody mm -hmm. anybody who chooses to go anywhere not just CCI, but anywhere, right? This is an investment. So you look at it this way. It's an investment in your future. It's an investment in yourself. Um, it's an investment of your time. It's an investment of your money. And you need to be getting what you're paying for. And you're paying for more mm -hmm. than just the dollars for the class. It's the time away from your job. Like, and this is another conversation Caleb and I have had outside of the the podcast is we're very, we're all about business. Like CCI was founded to teach professionals the business of make, of running a concrete countertop shop or not, not just countertops. That's what it used to be, but craft concrete, architectural mm -hmm. panels, furniture, this, that, and the other thing, craft concrete. Um, Business oriented folks look at the big picture. They're not about fussing over the, the fact that this product costs two cents a pound more than that product. If that pro that more expensive product saves them time, saves them mistakes, the big picture kind of thing. They, they look at the holistic picture. They're not wringing their hands over the fact that, oh, well, I like this guy, so I'm using his stuff, even though it's not you know, doesn't work all the time. And it gets back to you, what you're talking about, authenticity and consistency is. Yeah. And, and that's one thing that, well, it's just, it's so hard because there's this um, sort of trend, if you will, or I, I don't know what you want to call it, but I've noticed it um, where, you know, people will tune into a podcast or they'll watch YouTube or they will, um, you know, take a free training. And all of those are great and well and good. But I, I don't see how you listening to even, the, you know, we, we give a lot of information and we shoot from the hip and we talk a lot. And there's a lot of stuff that kind of comes out. And a lot of it's stuff we talk about at Ultimate or at GFRC or whatever. But, like, I just don't see a podcast being worth $1,000. Like, you're not going to sit here and pay me 1000 bucks to listen to me talk. But if we put some do behind it and we provide materials and food and we, you know, actually do things that becomes valuable, you know, I don't think you're going to get the same type of experience ultimately from, you know, attending a one and a half day basics class versus a five day basics class. I don't think you're going to get the same thing out of a YouTube video or a podcast as you are out of a, um, well, a real class. And so. It, certainly our podcast is not it's not intended to teach process 
that's ridiculous. You can't. It's like no. trying to talk about how to how to learn how to ride a bicycle. It's just crazy. Now we could talk about different. Well, I mean, there've been articles out the wazoo yeah. of how to do stuff, but and and like ever since YouTube became the 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 kind of the go to online university for learning how to do hell, I've done it. Like I got to change the oxygen sensors in my car. What's the what, you know? How do I get there? How do I take the back bumper off or whatever? Right. Right. That's kind of the more tactical, I got to solve this immediate problem sort of thing. But in terms of and learning how absolutely to, a place for it. I'm not down. It has it. a place for it, but it's, it's a very narrow and non vetted uh, um, media, right? So you don't know the quality of the mm -hmm. information you're getting anybody and their brother. Well, sister to your point can, about the car. Yeah. Anybody point about the car parts, video, right? Like you want right? to, yeah. But if you, but if you want to, okay, so this is a great example of where YouTube's super useful. Um, you want, I want to change out the brake calipers on my Yukon, yeah. or maybe I want to change out the, um, actually good example. I need to change the uh, exhaust manifold gasket on the Nova, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, that would be a useful thing to YouTube because I already have basic mechanic knowledge and I just need to know where those like that can that, that propel me to like, okay, you need this bolt size, you need uh -huh. this wrench, you need that. And, and that's like, it gives you a materials list yeah. and here's where this bolt is. This one's kind of, so it's like tips and tricks rather than basic knowledge. Right. So you're not going really to learn hard if I knew absolutely nothing about yeah. working on cars to go watch that video and be like, what? You're not um, going to learn and, how to and rebuild two, an engine if you've never even held a wrench before and don't know the difference. Right. And, and two, you know, you can't vet problem. good or bad information if you don't have a basic knowledge, right? Um, and, and so, and you know. <sighs> so, you know, you got you got the free stuff, which is an excellent way, right? So all these easy-to-access forms of information – you got videos, you got online articles, you got podcasts. These are all excellent ways to get a broader understanding of the very, very basic elements of what's involved. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And the danger comes in looking at or cherry picking bits and pieces here and there that suit what you're trying to do and your knowledge base and your personal perspectives and your skill set from sources that may or may not actually be giving you good information or may be giving you information that is good for a different application. I always go back to the, you know, the guy that I grew up, my neighbor, when I was little, he painted his car with Sears Better Weather Beater house paint every year because That's right. the television commercial said Sears Weather Beater best. house paint was the best paint on the market. And he was old and not quite all the way up there. And so in his mind, there's no, paint there's no context paint. to that. There's no context. So if you take mm -hmm. good information and use it for the wrong reason, and you don't have the background and the understanding to understand that there is a, a the right application, a right context, and a wrong context, you can be led astray really, really fast. There's a lot of that. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to like sit here and and toot CCI's horn because that's just not like I don't love doing that. But I will say, you know, 
I don't care who you are or who you think you are. Like saying that, that the, the basics of this craft are so easy that they can be done in a day and actually mastered in a day or a day and a half or whatever the case may be, even two days is total folly in my opinion. I mean, Jeff, you've been teaching for 20 years. I've been teaching well, for five. It's, it's, it's like folly. At, in what world could you actually best. get the basics in two days? Basics of doing what? Folly at best. Yeah. Building a box. Well, I mean, you dumping, know, okay. You know, dumping a, if, a home cutter mix into it. Is that basic? No. I mean, it, well, if it's, I, but if I was to tell you, hey, Jeff, I can give you templating, forming, uh, fabrication, sealer, and installation in a day and a half, what would you say to me? Um, pardon my French, but bullshit. <laughs> You're a liar. It doesn't make any sense. It's oh, just so, not logical. I don't know if I have it. Because the concrete sorry. takes longer than that. I don't know if I have here. Well, while he's digging for while while he's digging for that, like we did this 150 square foot thing in two days, but we didn't have time to polish more than just one piece. We didn't have time. Like you, you can't go through the whole project. You just can't. Times of CCI somewhere. So I'm I'm gonna back in 2001. I was invited to the first concrete countertop summit. Uh, by Steve Rosenblatt, the owner of Sonoma Castone. It was at his private home in Sonoma. Mm -hmm. And that's where I met Buddy Rhodes in person. That's where I met Fu Tung Chang and a bunch of other folks. Um, there were like 11, 12 of us there. And that's where Fu Tung gave a physical slideshow, 35 millimeter carousel slideshow of his book to be the first concrete countertop book. Um, and that book kind of kicked off the 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 awareness of concrete countertops and and the 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 interest in people doing it right so probably i think maybe a year after that book came out uh we bought a dvd we found online remember dvds <laughs> of how to make concrete countertops and this uh, goes, okay this is right kind of funny this goes right back to this so this dvd which we bought you know for like 20 bucks or whatever, right? I kid you not, the whole thing was three minutes and 49 seconds long. That was it. That's all the time you needed to do everything from building a box to mixing concrete, sprinkling a handful of the wrong kind of fibers in concrete, and then slapping some kind of acrylic sealer on it. Or maybe they just wax it. I can't well, remember. Well, that's just a, that's the, that is the full picture of the assumptions that you make when you say that you can do like, are you assuming that they, that you understand carpentry? Are you assuming that you understand how to use a sealer? Are you assuming like there's just so much and, and we try to be super comprehensive. So I'm sorry if, if there's just too much information in an ultimate class to compress, but like you're getting five days. Um, and I, we feel that that is what is authentic. That's what's going to give you a true understanding. I mean, and, not really. <laughs> no, it's not. But I mean, to give like, I yeah, went from very little it. understanding to being able to do this. So it does work and we've seen it work, but, um, but you know, so that's authenticity, right? We want you to have the authentic experience and actually be able to use the information, like take it. I mean, so I think a lot about Dylan Myers, who we had on weeks ago, uh, before our August class, uh, or was that before the November class? It doesn't really matter when we, it was a while ago. But he and I went to the same class and he and I both were like, what in the heck is GFRC? 
And and then he went on because of that. You know, we learn the rules. And now that man breaks the rules all the time because he's super artistic and he pulls it off. But you can't do that without fundamental understanding. We talk about technical stuff like all the time. And, you know, it's just one of those things where like if I had gone to a, a two day thing and expected to just get all of the basics and be able to make a career out of this, like I would have been totally drowning, um, you know, because that's essentially what I got. Chuck love him to death, but he handed me a super rudimentary mix calculator. Somebody asked me about that sometime. It's like got cubic inches. So you, and anyway, uh, I'll show it to you. I still have it, but, um, and then was like, you make samples for a week. You do a 10,000. Yeah, I could do a 10,000 batch in my big Imer. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but he handed me these, this, he was like, here's your spreadsheet. These are your basic colors. Here's your pigment make samples for a week and then you'll be good to go. And I'm like, huh? Uh. you're not going to help me install anything. You're not going to be like, Tim, like, what, what are we doing here? Um, oh, you'll figure it out. It's just not enough. So yeah. I mean, yeah. Right. Uh, it's just not enough. And then the material side. Yeah. Go on. Sorry. I'm, I'm dominating well, here because I'm passionate about it. <laughs> there, there's two, there's two extremes, right? We're talking about one extreme of just glossing over the most basic details and leaving out super important things which you know when i started writing the textbooks for the classes and things like that um i wanted to make sure i covered all the things it's like okay how do i actually do things like from a technical writing standpoint what are all the basic steps and things you have to think about um right. on the opposite end right you can you can fall down very very deep rabbit holes of esoteric chemistry and things like that, that I, it's really easy for me to do that, to, to, to fall into it. I have to really remember that a, not everybody wants to hear that. And a lot of times you don't need to hear that. Right. It sounds, yeah, I mean like to be successful, you to do not need to understand. Yeah. You just need to have a, a fundamental level of understanding. Certainly why water cement ratio is important and because we always stress using them what is a poslin and how does it work on a basic level right beyond that yeah there's you can you can start to get really confused and people can start manipulating you by saying you you learned x but y is more important when in reality it really doesn't make any difference to you and ultimately makes no difference to your customer. Um, so one thing that, well, like to, to give an example of that, unless you're about to, no, no, please, please do. What I was going to yeah, say I mean, is, to give an example of that, a great perspective of things is you have to keep a balance. You have to have that perspective to know what do you really need to focus yeah. on? And when you're trying to learn so many different things, you got to pair things back to the practical minimum not the bare minimum. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Practical versus bare is absolutely correct. I mean, so to give an example of that, we work with um, rapid set CSA cement mm -hmm. uh, in most of our classes as well as a Portland based cement. So you get kind of a, a, a this and that and A and B situation. Um, and what we say in class, poslins don't react with CSAs. Mm -hmm. That is both true and untrue at the same time. It is practically what's correct. Yes. It is technically like, so I've, I've dived down the rabbit hole of this because, you know, I got confused. Yeah. 
I shared that research um, paper that you. I'm going to say somewhere. Yeah, Um, it's somewhere. I'll find it. But um, you know, I was told, oh well, they do, and you know, it's. it, I was told something along the lines of that that uh, CSA cement does produce calcium hydroxide and therefore pozzolus do react. And so I was like, well, that's not what I was told. So I did the research. And that's here's the thing. That's the difference between, you know, just taking somebody at their word and actually like learning for yourself. So we hope, you know, it's like Jeff and I hope that you take what we tell you and then you go try it out for yourself, do the research, try and disprove us if you want to. I mean, if that's how you feel, that's great, but like do it for yourself. And so when I started diving down that rabbit hole, I was like, oh, okay. Yes, CSA has produced trace amounts of calcium hydroxide in the initial initial (laughs) set phase for a very short amount of time. And then it goes away, it's consumed, and there's nothing for the puzzle to react to. So Technically, yes, it does produce, you know, uh, calcium hydroxide. Practically, it doesn't. And so in class, we're not going to sit there and tell you, you know, to try and figure out how, what, what ratio of, you, maybe you want to use a 0.0124% pozzolan in your CSA to get that little extra kick. Like, that's not necessary. It doesn't matter. And it's not going to help you be successful if you're a beginner. Now, 15 years in, 10 years in, sure, we can have that conversation. But it's not, it doesn't matter for you right now. And, and- so I think that's where... The, the job of, of CCI and what Jeff has done so, so well is he distilled down that information to something that's going to kickstart what you need in order to be successful. I'm and looking. then at the risk of continuing to be just dominating We're, the conversation here, Jeff, let's, can we, well, can we so talk I wanna, about, I want to um, follow, follow up on that because. Okay. Ever. I'm I'm gonna get out put my old man hat on here, you know. I'm 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 solid <laughs> I'm solidly Gen X, so I'm like, you know, kids get off my lawn kind of guy. No, I I don't care about that. But that okay, I want to hear you say that. Days, I'm technically a millennial, which for a long time I hated, but you are. so like all these things that you can't read back here, that's let's see. Uh, that one of those Don't is worry, my if you point degree. it's widescreen in the recording, it's fine. That's my I know, but I'm trying to point to the right one. That's my master's degree, that's my professional <laughs> engineering license. I'll that point to big it. Big one, that one. I, I gotta think in terms of that one, <laughs> yeah, that one. And that's my oath as an engineer. So like, these are my certificates of my competency. These, these are my authority in this knowledge. And, you know, back, back in the old days, people respected that. And basically you, you said the only people who are considered experts are people who actually were taught things. And then once they were taught things, they use that knowledge to gain relevant expertise in a practical way under the guise of a more experienced supervisor. So not to guidance, I think is the word you're looking for, but like to get, to be a PE, to be a professional engineer. When I was an undergrad, I had to, you know, go through, go through that. And I had to get my EIT, my engineering in training certificate. And to do that, I had to have so many class hours under a professor. And then I had to take a, I think it was only a four-hour exam. Once I had my EIT, then I could be eligible 
to learn how to become a PE. And that required so many years of experience under PE. And because I was had a master's degree, it was shortened a little bit. Uh, but it was still several years under PE, working under a PE, doing relevant engineering. And then I had to take an eight-hour exam. So there's vetting. It's almost like an apprenticeship. Like lawyers do that. Doctors certainly do that. Can we bring that back? We need to bring the apprenticeship yeah, back. Yeah, and and a lot of trades, it's super like a lot relevant, of trades do that too. Yeah. Um, and the point I'm getting at is, when you let's say you're you're an electrician and you you go through the I don't I don't know the different stages. I know there's there's a stage called a journeyman. I don't know where that is. You're certainly not a master electrician, but you're not like just walk through the door green behind wet behind the ears kind of thing. Maybe you are. I don't know. I could be misusing that term. Green but, behind the ears. Right. Green behind the But I mean, like when you <laughs> begin to be a, an electrician, you're working under a more experienced electrician. So, you know, you don't do something wrong and, and all that. But what you are trained to do and your knowledge is far deeper, broader, and more correct then Joe homeowner who's got the you know home improvement book or watch a couple of YouTube videos nowadays th there's less respect to that and in fact there are some podcasts that that are very uh there's a lot of bile spewed disclaiming experience and nowadays it seems well, like well it's it's actually acclaiming experience but without anything behind it right yeah and it's like you know what i mean opinion, just because i have an opinion doesn't mean it's it's valuable um it's it's easy to be contrary it's hard to be supportive and correct so my, my point is yeah. when you learn from somebody about something that's pretty deep and broad um like starting a career or a business or something more than just doing it for yourself in, in craft concrete there's lots of different details talking about, you know, what seal to use, why why are certain fibers done the way, how do you install stuff, doing color matching, all this, that, and the other thing. The 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 expanse of the amount of information and avenues of knowledge and learning are so broad and diverse within this pool of making stuff out of concrete that the source of the information, the source of the, the who's telling you these things? What is their background? What is what's their competency? What is their what's what what's their expertise? What what's their their um, dramatist personae? What's their resume? Um, certainly, you want you don't want to be learning from somebody who just you know fell off. I took a class last week, so I'm going to teach somebody now like that. DVD I had the guy who was literally reading it out of the book and occasionally it would creep into the into the video camera frame where he's literally just reading out of the book so it's like all oh, of these guys are experts right um mm -hmm. it goes even beyond that because when you start trusting somebody with things like structural reinforcing and they don't even have a single hour of real structural engineering training or education and everything's kind mm -hmm. of learned on the job site 
they have no real business t- telling people what to do or, or how to do things. And, and as a follow on, you yeah, shared well, with me a photo of something, uh, somebody was doing this big something out of concrete and they were doing a post-tension application of it. And it was just like, wow, that is so wrong. That, that, that doesn't even work. Yeah. And, well, and that's and what's sad to me. It's it's kind of like if you they were well, and, and this is completely like, wrong, and they didn't know the basic yeah, principles because that. So they have no way of knowing that yeah. what they and were doing again. Was, they have no way of knowing whether or not that's going to fail or how it's going to fail or, or anything like that. And it's sad because they think they're doing it right, and so it's not on them. This is actually a very talented artisan. I respect a lot, but um, but um, He's you know, it's, it's like right? my wife. Right. He, absolutely. My, uh, my wife watches a lot of uh, Food Network and um, one of, actually, I quite enjoy this show too. One of our favorite shows on there is Beat Bobby Flay. Very hard to beat. Um, if you've never watched it, it's a fun show, but he brings on judges and most of the, like when they do the, the second round where they're actually competing against Bobby Flay, they're real judges from real restaurants. But sometimes in the initial round where they fit, where they decide who's going to go up against Bobby, they'll bring in like a comedian as one of the judges. And I'm like, okay, so what's the expertise level? And clearly it doesn't matter that much. Um, you know, it'd be like if you're doing, you know, uh, Gordon Ramsay, whatever the master chef, he's not going to bring on some stand up comic. Yeah. They're, I mean, if you're doing, if, if Netflix is standups, maybe they're going to have a stand up comic as the judge, right? Because there's expertise mm-hmm. in that field, but it just doesn't make any sense to me. If, you know, if, if like, I'm not going to get up on in front of our whiteboard and teach post-tensioning, could I do it and probably succeed? Yes. Could I teach it? No. Because when I, if I was ever going to do it in a project, I'd say, Hey Jeff, is this going to work? Can you give me the calculations? How many turns, you know, because a torque wrench is not going to do it. And so, I mean, it, it sounds so preachy, I'm sorry, but it's true. It's, it's really hard to, you know, be a stand-up comic and judge a, a cooking competition. Right. It's really hard to, you know, be a, a layman for better. I mean, I, that's a totally accurate term there to be a layman, you know, and, and try and teach engineering. It doesn't work. You know, I have a well, college it, degree, but it's in political it's science. It's not in engineering. And I don't I certainly have a master's. You call yourself an expert and qualified to teach something that you have no background in. That's, that's fraud, you know? Well, and vitriol against too. Like it would be really silly if I was like, Hey, you're stupid, but I'm going to teach this. Like it just, none of this makes sense. But, um, and we could go on about this for a long time. Um, because we're really, really passionate about it. And yeah. And another thing that we're passionate about is the quality of our materials. So, Mm -hmm. You know, as I mentioned earlier, we do use our materials in classes. They're not, it's not a commercial for our materials. Um, I heard Jeff say, gosh, four or five times in the GFRC class, they'd ask, you know, is this a something for alpha? And he was like, well, no, this is a broad concept that you could apply to any material in this craft. And I think that is the, you know, that's the, we made materials. Jeff got into materials manufacturing out of a deficit in the market, not out of a desire to be in them. Um, But with that said, you know, one thing that is that he has been really hell bent on, and I now have joined in that fervor, 
uh, if you will, is the material. Once they're on the market, man, they ain't changing. Um, right. You know, has I mean, certainly we've we've refined the application technique for Omega, for instance. But has have has Omega ever changed no. from a, a manufacturing standpoint? From the the materials that are in the cans has not changed. How the materials are used has changed. Like the first big change was uh, how long did we let it induct? Mm-hmm. A minor instruction change that improved things. We didn't make a big deal out of it. And once we changed, we said, okay, instead of being one minute, it's now five minutes. That was a change. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Very small things. But that kind of changing are- is not going to mess people up, right? Because you're not going to send out, like, there's not some batch of Omega out there that's going out tomorrow that's got a different ingredient. That's just no. not a realistic so thing that you can of, do when you're producing a material. Is, that you buy tomorrow, chemically speaking, from the formulation that's in the can, is identical to the can that I used to seal my kitchen as a test before it ever went on the market. Because I don't release yeah. a product and, until it's and the done. Same with, and the same with <laughs> Alpha. Um, yeah. You know, with, you have to be with able our to Craft Concrete right? Admix. Mm-hmm. Well, and you like we're you're in the process of of nailing down, and that's the thing is that's why it takes CCI a little bit longer to release a material than it may take. Uh, you know, I mean, I don't know how long Surecrete's been doing it. I don't know how long Trinic's been doing it. I don't know how long, but there are very few folks in this, like in the actual craft industry, that are, that are doing it. Um, and those are some of the bigger, you know, kind of bigger ones and they've got testing equipment and all those things, but like it, it takes CCI a little while to release a material cause we've got to do all the testing in the world. Uh, you know, Jeff, you've done thousands and thousands of tests on the strength of, of the alpha craft concrete admix. And, um, you know, in order to release a blended mix, we got to nail down sands and figure out where we're. <laughs> Yeah, it's not. Uh, but we've got to nail down like where are we going to source our sand and where are we going to, you know, we can't release that until we know that we know that we know that we can release it and have it not change. There's because there's, you, as the artisan, are actually counting on it. Right. Years, you years, know? and years. Like that's the is, thing. It's like this is what drove home to me the importance of consistency. And this is when I was manufacturing. This was even before CCI ever was a, an idea. Um. Mm-hmm. Most of the time I did, I used gray cement and white cement in my projects. And I did a project where I had a sample of, I called it natural gray because it's the color gray Portland cement, right? That your concrete, that's probably the most popular color across the globe is just natural gray concrete, Mm -hmm. whatever that gray cement color is in your area. And so I had these samples that I had made. And a customer picked up out the samples and I knew the brand. Like I, I bought a particular brand. I liked the one particular brand of gray cement. I liked the color of it. It had a nice balance of beigey greenness to it. It wasn't too dark. It wasn't too weird in one way or the other. It fit my aesthetic. And so that's what I chose as my baseline. Okay, this brand, I forget what the brand was. I haven't used gray cement in years. Doesn't mean you can't. It's just, you'll understand why I don't in a minute. And so I had the sample that I had made probably like a year before that. And the customer picked it out like, this is perfect. It's exactly what I wanted. It 
it kind of coordinated with their floor tiles and things like that. And so it's like, okay, cool. Go to the go to the. You know, I think I got it from Lowe's, right? Go to Lowe's, pick up my sand. I, I used to buy white play sand there. Um, get the get the gray cement, make the concrete. Really, really primitive concrete back then, and um, it didn't look anything like the sample. Even though I was using the same formula, sand didn't really change. Although there was a time where this my sand did change kind of overnight. Now all of a sudden it wasn't white anymore. <laughs> Fun. Um, the issue was that gray cement as a product doesn't matter what color it is colors not in the specification by you know a, a you know aci or pci um on purpose yeah aci it it doesn't matter because it's it's about strength so it could be browner it could be greener it could be bluer it could be lighter it could be darker it doesn't matter right it's not part of the aesthetic Brown, and blue violet sky yeah something like that right um, there's depending on, you know, um, you're depending on an ingredient to be the same, especially when you make color samples based on it. And when it changes, it messes everything up because now you're, you're left to scramble and say, okay, I have to make a new sample for that customer. And everything I did yesterday is suspect because tomorrow could be different. Mm -hmm. And consistency in, well, not just cement, but like I said, sand. Um, yeah, you're trying to make well, white I mean, sand can totally you can't change make white look concrete of, if of... your sand orange. Um, right. Or your sealer, like, or if it has flex in it, you know, you or it's yeah. flex in it, or it's, it's chunks one of those of things. Like you look at, um, yeah, you look at Rapid Set. There, there's little orange flecks in the in the sand, and that's just part and parcel of that bag. And so you work with it, and that's the, but like. You asked me uh, before we started recording, I did a bunch of papers. I had 4,000 pounds of papers mm -hmm. uh, last week. Um, and you asked me what color that was, and I told you. And you're like, well, why didn't you do that on a rapid set? I said, because the customer picked a, a color that I had made in Portland. And so, you know, if I had changed it, the sand, I mean, this is a paper. So you're never going to be standing less than like, what, five feet from it. But still... You know, if I had changed it and, drink. you know, she had noticed that this, that, yeah, Oof, I don't want to hit them. They're very hard. But, um, you know, if I had gone and changed a pigment ratio or if I had yeah. gone and changed the base Portland cement to whatever, mm -hmm. like, that's just irresponsible of me yeah, as just, an artisan just, because that's not what the customer picked. The that's part of you know, also like understanding. I, I'm doing what the customer picked. That's understanding the nuances of what's involved worth working with concrete, whether you're buying a bag or making your own or whatever, and making a business surrounded by, you know, surrounding making things out of concrete that you make, right? So you are a manufacturer, you, you need to be setting expectations to your customers. We've talked about this and part of that is what is it going well, to look and like? let's say for the sake of argument that something does have to change. Maybe your supplier uh, changed one of your core ingredients to yeah. another one of their master suppliers or something like. If it here's here's what I would do, right before before that ever happened. I mean, you, you you're never going to get like advance notice, so it's always kind of a panic fire fire drill kind of event is hurry up and do some testing to make sure that things aren't going to change. But mm -hmm. also 
let people know mm-hmm. like look you know things have changed and we're going to make sure that everything that we can do means that we're going to do everything we can to make sure that your experience doesn't change stays the same i mean right? and that's so if something like that happened like you're not that we're not going to try and pass it off and hope nobody notices yeah i was um way back way back probably mm, 15 years ago 14 years ago 16 years ago somewhere in that time frame i did a whole bunch of sealer tests um because this was you know 2006 2007 time frame right when the whole concrete countertop industry was kind of starting to take off and there were all these different sealers being used on on countertops um a lot of them came from the decorative concrete industry and then you know there'd be companies coming up with new products all the time you know everybody and their brother in their in their backyard is cooking up something or a company that happens to make you know a sealer that's used for I don't and an anti graffiti coating, or they they put it on masonry, or it's a cure and seal they put on the floor slabs, or something like that. They're like repackaging it because this is the hot new hot new market. So we can take our you know mystery liquid and put it in a bottle and triple the price and make make a lot of profit. So I I'd have samples sent to me, and those samples would be you know they would have instructions on them, or you know they weren't very good, or the things that were. I was told that it would do. I just couldn't make it happen. And there were a few products that were more like from the floor polishing industry. Um, you know, the floor polishing industry uses reactive sealers, right? Because the, the concrete they're meant to work on is old. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's months or years old and uh, it's burnished. So you get the friction and the heat activating all the silicates to make it work. And then, you know, you, you're not and then expecting. you're protecting with a top coating of acrylic, you're which is with a top coat anyway. And it's a floor for goodness sake. You know, mm-hmm. you're not, but they're not leaving. Off. They're not leaving that thing alone. They're they're This right. is a maintenance coating. Right. It's a maintenance coating. So, you know, you got the guard finishes and things like that. They're, they're, they're maintenance coatings. They're, they even say that, right. They're, they're thin micro coatings and it's got a thin, like, I don't know if it's an acrylic or something like that, but it's got a coating coat component. Mm-hmm. That's why it looks milky. Uh, and and that's part of the system. It's a system, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And those are being. I mean, they 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 have that that tantalizing uh, effect of ooh, it's really easy. I can wipe it on, and yeah. there's nothing between me and my concrete. Um, well, but the other side of that equation <laughs> is the graffiti coating section, which I was very attracted to. Um, and g- great example of something like this happening, like they. Uh, Ampersil was what I used to use, um, and they changed the formulation at some point in probably 2015 or so to be low VOC compliant. And other uh, ones, yeah, uh, and it made it such that if you put a second coat on, it would delaminate itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was like, I mean, I, st- I had to stop using it, and you know, I spent probably a thousand bucks a month on Ampersil, and yeah, no longer, and so it's like. It, they didn't t- well, and they didn't three, announce they it. The same thing. So oh, it hasn't changed. Bull. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I had arguments and uh, clearly it did. It wasn't even mixed the same. So, hmm. you know, when you start relying on things, a tool, a sealer, 
a coating, a pigment, whatever, fill in the blank. I'm not going to build my business on, on Harbor Freight. No offense. I love Harbor Freight. I really do. But like, yeah. I'm not going to build my business on those tools. Yeah. Right. Right. Because yeah. anyway. It, it's, and, and the source of your education, the source of your information is part of that, is what, what what's the pedigree of that information? What, what's the, the history of it? What's the, 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 um, authenticity of the, the, the education that you're getting and the education of the mm -hmm. people educating mm -hmm. you. Um, I never, I yeah, never went I mean, to school to be a teacher. That's... I never imagined I would be a teacher, but I did go to school to be an engineer and like it or not, what we do involves engineering on a very practical level. Um, you don't have no, to I mean, be look at the table we did in our, um, yeah, look at the table we did in our classroom. Like it's not even very that intentionally. That, that certainly is very, very complicated engineered. from an engineering standpoint. But just just making something, and then, well, like those waterfall ends we did in in class a, a month ago, right? Big panels, mm -hmm. three quarters of an inch thick, seven foot long, over three foot wide. Cast them, bonded them while they're still fresh, a couple hours old, a few hours old. And then handled and moved them the next day. All right, that's engineering these pieces so that it works. I mean, that's kind of what engineering is, right? Finding an optimization of making it work, figuring out making it not too complicated, but not too simple, making it just expensive mm -hmm. enough to do the job so that everything works out. It's a, it's a balance, and the more you understand all the facets, the bigger the picture, the more comprehensive a picture you have, the better you're able to tackle a project. It's like learning mm -hmm. how to build a house. You're going to build a house. Well, there's a lot of stuff to know, but you got to start somewhere. But you need a bigger picture to know that, hey, I don't want to put the stairs in the wrong place, or you know, forget to frame a window because I wasn't thinking. There's there's a lot, a lot going into it. Um, yeah, not, yeah. I don't know where I'm going with this. We're just kind of talking, right? That's kind of what the, these podcasts are good yeah, for. Yeah, I mean, it's just it. Yeah, it is, and they're. I just, I get really. I don't even know what the word is, but when passionate about you know success, I yeah, think that's we that want to make sure that when 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 a student comes to us and frankly pays us, you know, invests in what CCI is and stands for, you know, I want them to walk away with the type of information and the type of confidence that I walked away with. Right. I want um, every one of my students, know, I mean, and, I want to be proud of them and hear their success story three years, five years, 10 years down the line. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We're in it for the long haul. And I yeah, have exactly. been very fortunate enough to be able to have a very long list of very successful people over the last 20 years around the world. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. It's a, it's a lot of fun to be involved in. And again, that's, that's why I stayed involved with CCI. That's why I was so passionate about CCI. That's why I use CCI products. That's why I, you know, was a vocal advocate for CCI long before I became part of the, you know, one of the owners, like I just appreciate 
the mission and the passion and the reason for it and the expertise behind it. Um, and again, you know, if you're going to teach something like teach it from an, uh, a place of expertise, not just experience, because right, you know, I, I could have built 30 motors or repaired 30 motors, but then the moment something comes at me that I didn't expect, you know, it's the expertise in understanding what, what's behind it and how it works that is going to allow me to tackle the the new challenge involved. Right. One thing that I try to always have in mind, and it, it's, it's easy to fall in the trap when you are, when you've been there, done that over and over and over again, it's easy to kind of lose perspective on the, when somebody is new coming to this industry, uh, like, take one of the guys in the last class, he came from finance, like he had never, ever done anything. Mm -hmm. Right. So I need to keep in mind their perspective, their experience, their level of comprehension of what's going on. And it's, if, if things can be distilled to be understandable, to be kept digestible it's easier to mm -hmm. grasp and understand so like the way Definitely. the way i like to do things is in class is we never talk about mixed design or chemistry or any of that stuff until after we've already made stuff and the reason for that is you as somebody who's new right People learn best when they do things with their hands, right? You have that visceral, tactile experience of you're making the concrete, you're weighing out the ingredients, you're putting them in the mixer, you're putting in the concrete in the forms, you're building the forms, you're doing all those physical things. You're getting that immediate, tangible feedback that our brains are wired to absorb. You don't have to worry about interpreting abstract words that are new to you, like what the heck is a puzzle? Mm -hmm blah, 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 or whatever. It's just mm -hmm. noise, right? So when you right. do it first, then you have a basic Then you have grasp. something to apply it to. Right. It, you've already taken the first basic steps to understanding. And then when we start to getting a little bit more complex, a little bit more esoteric, a little bit more abstract, you can relate to it. And I right. think that's the best way to learn um is to do it well clearly you know, you know clearly it resonates with people right because yeah, it works it resonates we have it works you know we have a, a laundry list of successful uh alumni who we are extremely proud of and um uh, you know we've got this, you know two full classes to to show for at this end of the year and and it's just you know we want to be there for our students our alumni for the community at large, which the community at large is really why we're doing this podcast, because yeah. again, we felt it necessary. Um, you know, we, we're doing this podcast for the same reason that Jeff, you started making materials. We're doing this mm -hmm. podcast for the same reason that you started CCI in the first place, because the information is needed and it's not as common as it ought to be. Every different avenue of interaction, this podcast, a YouTube video, 
an article, a blog, something, right, is a different form of communication that packages a certain kind of information that has a certain agenda to it. Now, our podcasts are kind yeah. of, it's more freeform and more, I don't want to say it's reactionary, but it, we're kind of a mirror to what we're seeing and hearing and experiencing. And we're trying to reflect that, hey, we're putting a voice to some things that are sometimes being left unsaid. Maybe not calling things out directly, but pointing out things that are being either ignored or glossed over or a lot of folks are unaware of. And it's kind of, it behooves us as industry leaders, and certainly as somebody who has formed the industry, um, that it's my obligation, it's our obligation to, to bring things up and say, hey, you know what, that's not necessarily right without calling anybody out. You know, we, we want to keep things professional. We want to keep things respectful. Um, because at the end of the day, you make more friends. You, you, you are more successful when you make friends and have a more positive outcome and more positive attitude than, you know, trying to tear people down because you might be personally insecure or underqualified and hope that nobody notices. Right. So, yeah, I, I a hundred percent agree. Um, we were going to keep this. It's, and I'm today. sure this, I know we no. were, it's crazy. Um, I don't even know how long it's been at all. We're hour and five, uh, hour and five minutes. Oh, that's short. For what, us. Is, what is short? Yeah. It's short for us. Um, yeah, it's post, we're clearly post we've post got a lot to say on on these topics. I know, I know. We're uh, we're we're it's the food coma talks. Um, yeah, <laughs> here we are. Um, but yeah, as you can tell, we're we're quite passionate about this, and uh, and we're going to keep talking about it because it's really really important. You know, um, if I if I was going to go to law school, I would go to law school instead of you know just going on YouTube. Um, so I just think this is, uh, this is just something that we're going to keep pressing on. Uh, and, and again, it, as a reminder, you know, CCI is kind of like the reluctant trade school. Um, mm -hmm. Because Jeff, you, you did, you started doing this because there was an apparent need for this type of, of workshop, this type of training, uh, not because you wanted to be a teacher. Um, yeah. You know, you well, saw I, I want, a need in the, the when it was still brand new. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because that was the risk. And frankly, that still is the risk. That's the thing that it blows my mind is that we are still the prevalence of mis, dis and just bad information in general is is wild to me. I look at some of the stuff that, you know, I see people posting and talking about online, some of the stuff that comes out in articles and it's like, whoa. You know, I yeah. hear, I, I'll get a comment from an interior designer. I'm like, that's not true. Where'd you hear mm -hmm. that? Or, you know, I'll see something from another artisan. I'm like, that doesn't work. Where'd you hear that? And and it's just one of those things where we feel a, a pretty major obligation to um, stand as uh, beacons of accurate and, and actionable information for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't so know what welcome else to, to the say. Peachy Show. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, folks. <laughs> yeah. Oh, don't apologize. It's good. Um, 
but I think we ought to, what do you think? You end it there? Yeah. Yeah. Since we, we have are, no good segue into a, into an ending or another topic. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. It's, I think yeah, it's we, time. Uh, we've got a lot to prepare next, for. Next week. Uh, are we going to do one next week? Yes, we, we will do one next week. Yeah, we'll do one Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then. Or um, if you want, Jeff. Why don't we wait until Thursday next week? Because in the no, afternoon slash evening, you'll be here. Yeah, or Friday while I we're know, doing I'm it. I'm saying in the evening, you'll be here. Yeah, we yeah. could do it Friday, uh, but yeah. it would be kind of cool to do it in person because you'll be here. Yeah, in fact, I stay in that room so, that he's uh, in right now. <laughs> yeah. It's true. It's true. Yeah, we uh, when Lauren and I moved here, before we bought the house, we... Uh, outfitted this uh this was an unfinished basement and so we finished it and lived down here for a while um and then when we moved upstairs after we got the house it became a guest space so that's where jeff stays yep it's got a pool table awesome got a it kitchen does. and everything so when we come install after we after we successfully install we can toast with some whiskey and play pool we can toast with something so cool well it won't be whiskey for you jeff but i have gin nope I might bring some wine. No story. Oh, sure. <laughs> awesome. Anyhow, well, uh, we'll see y'all next week. And uh, thanks for bearing with us. <laughs> yeah. Don't don't shop too much. All right. Take care. Bye bye. No, no. Take care. See ya. <laughs> thanks for listening to the Maker in the Mix podcast. If you liked the content and want to hear more, please like and subscribe. Uh, Feel free to follow us on YouTube as well as Instagram, Facebook, and check out the website, www.concretecountertopinstitute.com. And of course, we'd love to see you at one of our upcoming classes. Tune in next week for more informative content. Thanks.